Welcome to the Nitty in the City podcast. This episode is extra special as we present to you the Nitty in the City Bottomless Brunch broadcast. We had about 20 people show up to the Rose Petals Cafe and Lounge located at 8120 Old York Road in beautiful Elkins Park, Pennsylvania to enjoy an extensive menu featuring culinary delights from catfish and grits to a waffle bar and more. And of course, what's a bottomless brunch without, well, bottomless mimosas. While partaking in the delicious indulgences, we engaged each other in healthy dialogue, discussing topics such as Nipsey Hustle, race relations, community building, and more. So it is without further ado, I present to you, already in progress, the Nitty in the City Bottomless Brunch Broadcast. How's everybody doing today? All right. I'm going to wait till y'all start eating and start talking to y'all, right? <laughs> That's how I go. Uh, give it up for the chat. So, especially Stacey. 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 Sit down and just stick to our own clique and not really talk to anybody else. But that wasn't the case here today. Um, he stays over here for a second because we're going to address the Rose Fellows Cafe, uh, let the world know, you know, all about it, where they can find it, what to expect from here. Uh, with that said, it's me, it's me, it's the OG. Who am I? I'm OG Nitty. Where am I? I'm Nitty in your city. And right now we are broadcasting, well, we're recording from Elkins Park, PA, I believe the name of the town is, yes? Now, would that make it a Philly suburb, or is that just a, a suburb, a Philly suburb? Elkins Park, PA, nice little drive from Wilmington. Seen the group. Very seen it. Never thought I'd see so many trees traveling to the Philly region. Not saying that y'all don't have trees. I just know I'm used to just shooting down 95, crossing the bridge, and seeing the kind of how it works for me. And again, we're broadcasting live from the Rose Petals Cafe. What's the address here? 8120 Old York Road. 8120 Old York Road, Elkins Park, Pennsylvania. Um, do we call this a... Like a theme bar, a soul food restaurant, or just cafe and lounge? Yeah, cafe and lounge. Cafe and lounge. Now, what can we generally expect from the menu? I see here at this brunch, we got turkey bacon, um, what we got, home Wild fries? Waffle station, home fries, catfish and grits. Waffle station, catfish and grits. They're known for the chicken and waffles. They're known for the chicken and waffles. The chicken is pulled off the bone, it's not your traditional chicken and waffles. It's chicken is pulled off the bone. Oh, bread. okay. Um, sauce is pulled off Okay, no doubt, that's what it is. Shout out to pulled chicken off the bone. With your waffles, you can tell black folk on this place. <laughs> so we're gonna um get into it, y'all. There's a lot of stuff to talk about here. Gonna engage with the audience here as well, of course. Um, you can chime in as you as you feel. Um, what better way to start off the Nitty in the City podcast than to talk about one of my one of my favorite topics out right now? White people, white people. <laughs> Shout out to any white customers that might hear us outside of here. Um, the views and the opinions expressed by the individuals on the Nitty in the City podcast are those of solely those set individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of the Nitty in the City podcast, Rose Petals Cafe, or any of its affiliates. Um, with that said, and you know, this is gonna, after I read this to y'all, this is going to turn into a what would you do sort of scenario, if you will. So over in California... A woman may face criminal charges for allegedly spraying water on a young boy playing music from a Bluetooth speaker as he walks home. Um, needless to tell you, 
<laughs> what her hue is versus what his hue is. Um, um, that's somebody can catch that. Um, Elijah Harris, he said he was walking home from school, his usual route. And he says a white woman asked him to turn down the music he was playing from a Bluetooth speaker, and he complied. The 13-year-old claims as he made his way past the woman's home, she sprayed him with a, with a water hose. Um, he regards, and he actually, it's not even alleged because he recorded her spraying him with the hose. And he just walked off wet, you know, calm and cool, went and told his parents. Mother called the police um, to address the Sinati uh, charges file. So here's the thing now. He said the reason, hmm? His mother. Good job. That's why, that's why we're going to get to the moment, because I was waiting for the article that said how the parents so he said he was so calm and cool about it. He said his parents told him that, or he learned that in that situation, the police would look at him more so as a criminal than as a victim. That's why he was chill and he took the right he did. Shout out to that young man for being so calm and cool because I know some goons from going growing up where it might not have gone down like that. Your parents would have had to come for a different reason. So it said immediately after the incident, um, he actually Elijah called nine one one and his mother, and she then won the charges pressed against this lady because she said an example has to be made by these kind of people. You know, it's kind of tight, but you can't very much right do that. Shout out to her for her comments as well. But I gotta ask, is there some parents in the room? And even for the non-parents, you've been in situations where you know you got little. Brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, cousins, what have you. In our village, we've all had protected somebody in our day in some way, shape, or form. I gotta ask, what are you doing in this situation? You hear your boy just minding his business playing music. Apparently, mind you, they say he's been walking this route from school forever now. Like this is not a new route. He's been doing this, and this one lady decided recently to tell him to turn it down. He said she had he saw her recording him like the day before playing music and she got nasty and now then she is spraying the holes on him after he even complied. So I'm gonna let me let me the point. Line that line, you back there. Uh-huh. I know you're not a parent, but you care for your nieces and nephews, you know, and your family as they're yours. Uh-huh. What are you doing in this situation? Because the reason I ask you, because you have a balance where you can be calm, very calm too when you're ready, or you can turn it up when you're ready. I know some people just got one gear to go in. Right. So what are you doing in this situation? Well, I, I wouldn't tie and I don't want you to be jaded because of that experience, so I would, I would have Then wanted to search me 
Oh, yeah. Like you define it's only the only the crime would have been going for a red light. So like for what? So like you know I give her my license and um she's like, Oh wait, what's that other license in your pocket? And I'm like, It's my uncle's license. And you know, she proceeds to take his license and my grandmother's credit card. But she said they didn't have they didn't have my name on them. Now I was committing fraud. I'm like, well, I gave you my license. And I, and I had my uncle's license. I was making a copy for him because he was in the apartment. And I had my grandma's credit card because I go shopping for her all the time. And you know, but she took their items too. And then like proceeded to like run my information. And then like she wouldn't give them back to me or anything. And like made them, and like followed me to my grandma's house to give them, to give her a place. She wouldn't give me back the card. That's a lot of work. And stuff. Yeah. And took my license. And like, you know, I, I was. You know, inside I'm, I'm boiling, but I'm like, you know, I got the little sister here. I don't want her to um, to be. I, I want to tell her, you know, that the police are our friends. Then I would actually go. I did, you know, write a letter. You was identified as white. So like, so the answer, the, the wrong answer was yeah. I would have done that before. Okay, let's go to bail money bail code. Oh, oops. <laughs> What's your what's your reaction to this? Your child calls you and says, "Hey, this lady sprayed water on me with her hose because she wanted me to turn my music down, and I did." And she sprayed her hose on me. I'd have been outside with my toolbox and playing it and wait for her to come out and assault me like she did my child. Mm -hmm. And after she was assaulting me, I would have defended myself, <laughs> and then I would she would have been the one calling the cops. Mm -hmm. and, no, what? Like, you would spray my child. That's, that's boy. Isn't that yeah, they, they, uh, they said that um, the police have recommended to the DA that she be charged with assault. I like to think that I would be, I want to say, you know, I would be the, be the big person. No, I would, I would, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'd be outside of my boombox no dancing on her front lawn and her to spray me. Lace, you a parent now? Honestly, probably depends on what type of day I had. I'd be up there, <laughs> my son come home with a scratch on daycare, I'd be ready to find out. <laughs> yeah, we're a little kid today. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you never know what you're going to do. In that situation, you would like to think that you would behave as the adult, mm -hmm. call the authorities because you know it could go left as a black man going up to a white man's house. Right. So right. you always got to hear inside of caution. Right. Now, that don't mean that a week or two later, mm -hmm. you know, one of my female cousins might right. not be just happy to go down the street. <laughs> you know, but all depends on also what's the relationship with this woman. Like, she's always. You know, causing problems on the block or whatever, so it all depends. But I would like to think mm -hmm. that I would follow in the mom's footsteps, but I, you know, depending on the day, who this woman is, I, one of my female cousins might have to, you know, get that call. No doubt. So now, here's a, here's a thing that I've always wondered. And, you know, I guess y'all can kind of draw from your experiences or lack thereof, but I feel like based on my experiences and what I've known, the people in here who have been around for some time, growing up, I mean, of course, we've all been exposed to some kind of prejudice, racism, what have you, discrimination. But growing up, I can't really think of a time where there were white people wilding out. Like the white people that we would see or go around, or even though on their block, you know, even though we lived in our hood, you, you cross white homes, white properties, white paths somehow, some way. And even if they had an issue or something, you probably almost never knew a lot of the times because. When I see these things, like we see all the, uh, what they call barbecue Beckys and all these other people, or the or remember the one in Houston where the people were doing like the photo shoot for their the baby girl's birthday, and the lady came and ripping down their decorations and said, y'all gotta get out of here. I've never seen that. 
And I don't think I've ever heard any of y'all who have come up around saying y'all seen that. So how is it like the how these is like what is it about these victims that let these white people say, you know what, I think I can do this and get away with this, be aggressive. I see your head in the back, B and P. I don't necessarily think it's something about the victim. Because where we grew up, our neighborhood was notoriously racist. Mm-hmm. As in, when we moved there, I was called all types of niggers. Uh-huh. I spit in my hair. I got threatened. They punctured my parents' tires. Yeah. They left notes on our door. I wouldn't go down certain streets. I had a bunch of men in the car. I'm riding a bike. They're drunk, yelling at me, throwing bear cans. Like, I did this. Okay. These people never went anywhere. They were just underground as time changed. And what I really feel like is that the climate brought on by 45 mm-hmm. and the Mango Mussolini, yeah. and <laughs> what he did was- Wait, wait, just go The Mango Mussolini. <laughs> he emboldened them, talking about, oh, whatever, you do that, I'll pay your bail. Mm-hmm. What, why should we be ashamed? Oh, the media is setting this up. He's, he's giving them this, this point that it's like, I'm outwardly being the president, and I can say and do whatever I want, mm-hmm. and you guys follow suit. And then, in turn, nothing is happening to them. So now everyone feels like, oh, those two black people over there, we can do this. And I feel to a certain point, we don't have the same fear that they used to have of us. Uh-huh. It's because I feel too, we are educated, we have a lot more to lose. Uh-huh. I can't lose, like, I get to a fight with someone, I'm definitely trying, they're gonna try to come after me, I lose my job. Mm-hmm. She barely got a job, or her dad got her a job. Mm-hmm. Like it's a bigger, it's a bigger loss for us. So I just feel like they're very bold, and but they didn't just pop out. Right. They were just laying low, waiting for the time. Okay. See yourself. I don't believe that they were laying low. I think and I saw a quote from Will Smith on the internet where he said racism didn't just explode. The internet, social media, has made it more prominent. That's that's not exactly what he said, but something to that effect. I think what we're seeing now, and, and I agree with you with 45 definitely giving them this need to have balls bigger than, you know, knocks. Um, but I think what's, what you're seeing now, which you're, you're seeing it more, it's becoming more prominent because people have cell phones and they're recording it and it's going on the internet and it's going in the news. And, you know, the media likes anything that goes with the trend right now. And the trend right now in this country is race because of 45. It's always been an issue. It was an issue when Obama came into the office and then 45 came in and 45 was just like, let's be openly racist. Let's not hide it anymore. So well, I think- That's what I meant by the way. But yeah. I, but I don't like, think, like they they but... think they've ever been laying low. I think, I mean, because for you, when you guys were growing up, you just said like, People would openly spit in your hair. They would drive by you. So it's been sectioned off into certain areas because it was more common in certain areas. Now it's everywhere because there's access everywhere. I do, you know what I'm saying? I do think I see where Brandon's coming from. I agree with your point. And, and I, I think I see where Brandon's coming from too in the, in the sense of like, they were always like goons who were just going to be openly goons about mm-hmm. it. Like we've seen it in Selma and all kinds of other places. But then, because I will say, I've noticed some people who you didn't realize they got bold, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, you didn't just become this way. Right. You've been sitting on these emotions, and like you said, now we got 45, you know, all this August and stuff, and now people are really starting to come out. Of the I didn't, I didn't, plus I didn't see a lot of cats. So I'm like, oh, you might want to start uh, 
update your princess because I see you people talking. You got a reference on your page, buddy. And I don't think I saw her talking this reckless to you, like, you know, the year before, you know, Trump took office, before Trump started running this stuff. So I see, I definitely uh, see both points on that front. The first time I experienced racism, I'll be 35 years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't experience racism until I was in my 20s. And it's not until I took a job with the state with the state, and went to someone's home to investigate child abuse. Mm-hmm. That is the very first time I walked up to a man's door and he was like, oh, I didn't know you were a nigger. Oh, and I was like, oh, oh, you're excited oh, today. Oh, you're, you're excited today. Um, so now, how did you react to that? I, it kind of caught me off guard. Oh, yeah. Because I had spoken to this man on the on the phone before. I had we had had to schedule the appointment. He knew I was coming, and I I, I hear this a lot in the work that I do that I don't sound black. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Sometimes a little bit more now than I did when I first started. I was nicer then. Um, <laughs> I was, and I, I was very shocked, and I was like, "Well, sir, my race doesn't have anything to do with what I'm doing here." So his response was, "Well, what you're going to do is take your black ass off of my porch, or my dog is going to come out for you." And I said to him, "I said, okay, so I'm going to go, and when I come back, I'm coming back with the police, and you'll have to let my black ass into your house." <laughs> so I left, sat in my car. He had a big gated yard, and I called the cops. I was in Middletown. Never forget this. Like right outside of Odessa, and the cops came. I'm a Middletown resident here right there. <laughs> and the cops came, and he let the dogs out the house and refused to have them go inside so that we could do the job that we needed to do. What ended up happening is my agency ended up giving that case to a white woman mm. so that yeah, we wanted, so instead of that since he got what he wanted but that was the very first time that I had ever been called out my name like that regarding my race and it didn't bother me as much as I thought that it would in my mind it was just like oh you ignorant ignorant okay mm-hmm. well welcome to lower Delaware mm-hmm. I mean you know Middletown is not necessarily slower lower but Delaware, you know Delaware. you start to no but where he was it was so there's a certain part. Of, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but yeah. it's like I grew up in Newcastle. Right. You can't get much more basic Delaware than right there. Right. Well, my understanding so of Delaware all my life was that that kind of stuff happened further down south. Down south. Right. <laughs> you didn't see that up north. You you know you had people that you knew like felt however it is that they felt, but they were not like that. You could go down state and you see it all the time. Right. Yeah, southern racism, northern racism, southern is more overt. Exactly. Up here, you know, it's, it's, it's more covert, and you see little idiosyncrasies where they where just do something that, you know, you'll see that's, that's a little racist, but you can't really pinpoint it. But, you know, Southern folks. Unless you're the bees in the room, right? Right. She was an outlier. Not really. And that's the thing, it's like, it's not that big of an outlier. Now, it was a bit notorious because News Journal actually did an article talking about how much that neighborhood had changed. What neighborhood? Ramblin' Acres. That's 273. Yeah. 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 Ye
was every black family in that neighborhood who got the tires because the concerts came around. I was like, oh, you guys are number three. The other two families around the corner got it too. But magically, he had that kind of reputation in traffic that his house has kind of caught fire at random. But it was like, oof, like, damn. So, so given your experiences, and based on what you said earlier about, you know, you understand you got a lot to lose in situations where you might be tested as such. Do, do you see yourself having a quote-unquote breaking point? Where it's like, you know what? I the job, this, fuck that. Like, Absolutely. I, I, I can't I take it anymore. Like, you personally? Like, me personally have yeah. a breaking point? Could you I see yourself blacking out like that? I don't think so. Let me tell you why. I grew up in Paul and Nigger. Uh-huh. Well, of course, they, they're not that inventive, let's be real. Mm-hmm. They've been following the same thing since we got here. Uh-huh. So half the time, I was looking at them, like, so you say the N-word, and I'm like, oh, so you're just basic white trash. You're just, mm-hmm. You didn't want me in your school because you want me to realize how dumb you were. Okay. Like, you can't go much lower than that. And I'm like, so whatever. Because like, when we got to UD, I came in through Rise. Yeah. So we were there a little earlier, so we already had like, a group of friends. We walked around campus to a ball party. We went to a frat party, but people with us, like, came to come in. Now we already got too many people in here. And I'm like, you just let that do it in. He was like, they put one of the niggas in here. I'm like, okay, let's keep it moving. And Michelle, one of my friends was from DC. She grew up in Trinidad. And she was like, when we told her about it, she was like, wow. And then she got called a nigga on Main Street. She called me all of a sudden. I'm like, welcome to Delaware. Like, my temperament now is just so. It's because it says so much more about you. So the N word wouldn't bother me as much as some of the other things that they're doing now, like such as such as the park permit patties and the. And you know what? Permit patty probably wouldn't even bother me as much as that one lady in the park that destroyed that baby's torch. Yeah. Like, I may not punch you in your face, but I'm gonna wish the shit out you, and I'm gonna wish you so hard that you're going to tumble. And like I, I, I and I, I mean again, for me, I, I think for me, my line gets crossed when it comes to my children. That's my point for me. Um, I give kudos to that mother. I give kudos to that young man because I don't know that my response would have been had, had, would have been that calm. Um, those people at the park with their both not. You're not gonna start tearing up my stuff. Like that's money that I spent. There was no reason for any of that. She probably would have gotten two verbal warnings before I put my hands on her. And that wouldn't have been for her. That would have been my attempt to try to calm myself down. So as y'all saying that, I kinda um a question came to me based on what Lonnie said earlier about wanting to set the example for the babies to show them that, you know, the system could work, you know, if you use it right or what have you, right? I mean, I know we all know the system is what it is. But Let's say they take that lesson, right? And I'm like, okay, well, if stuff goes down, I'm going to try to do it the quote-unquote right way, the systematic way, right? Do you, would one worry, would you worry, Lonnie, or anybody else here that, okay, well, how do I teach them to sort of stand up for themselves knowing that there's not always going to be an opportunity, let's say, to employ Because at, at some point, it's got to turn into a bullying situation, right? Like, because like you said, you want to see stuff work right. And yeah, maybe in that instance with that lady, with that hose, you know, calling cops, but then there'll be instances raised in school or around, let's say, white other white children who are, you know, this is learned behavior, this racism stuff, who now they engaging in this. So it's like this kid is like, oh, well, what do I do now? Do I, 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 I support the system? Kids two ways. Okay. Just like we are all raised, 
how we act in public and how we are with one another. So when I think you got to teach your son or your daughter or your kids or the next generation the right way and then the black way. Like, okay, okay. after this, this, and this, you already tried these steps. Right now it's time to turn up. So it's like you, you, you don't want to raise your kids to be so soft and, and passive mm-hmm. that they allow certain things that you would never stand for, but then you don't want them to be stereotypical black kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, get called out for doing things that they're not supposed to. So it's a tough balance, but I think you've got to raise it with two, with two sides. I, I think that's that. the intent. Say that. I think that's the intent. But as we're seeing, we never know what situation our kids want to be put in mm-hmm. or how to react. So there might be a situation where, okay, I tried this, this, and the fourth. Now I turn up. Now I get shot. So I struggle all the time ever since. I remember when she first had our son. He's two now. Once I was like, yeah, yeah, I got a son. I'm like, oh shit, I got a son. It was, it was, wow. I mean, she's still recovering. They're cutting it down. I'm thinking about this. How do I teach my son to move as a black man in this country? And I struggle with that. Like one, I know how you know, I grew up on the west side. I know you know you can throw these hands. That's one aspect. But this other aspect, how to move, when to move, when to speak up, when to stand up, when for your life's sake that you have to. Let stuff go mm-hmm. 20 times or else you will die. Right. And I think it's a very fine line. You can't prepare your kids for every single situation mm-hmm. because there's 20 different outcomes for every situation. Right. right. I um, I believe in a paper trail. My mother wasn't from this country. Okay. And when she came here, it was always make sure. My mother taught us that the power of the pen is more powerful than the power of the So what I teach my son, I have two sons and a daughter, and their father is not involved in their life. So it's like me trying to navigate this for them on my own. I have help, I have sports, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, it comes down to me and what I teach my boys. And I tell my sons all the time, and this is not just in regards to racism, this is in general. You make sure you let those know in a position of authority what is going on prior to you making any kind of reaction because you need to put out there, listen, these were my attempts that I made to get someone else to intervene before it turned into something else. You know there's a kid that has a problem with you? Before you say a word to that child, the first time that child makes a statement to you, you know who your counselor in school is, you know who your administrator at school is, you know who anybody is. They need to know. Let me know when you come home. Mommy follows up with the email. I put everything in writing when it comes to my children. Everything. Because I have a 14-year-old, silent and deadly. He's not going to say anything to you. But that chair will come across that room. You've got about five minutes to shut your mouth. He does not give any warnings. He gets very quiet. Chair is coming. So that's what I do. And I feel like that's what I have to teach them when it comes to things like that. Because if there's an incident with you and a white woman, she could say anything. And it's her word against Yours. Yeah, we see how that turned out. Exactly. So when you interact with certain people, be it men or women, you need to make sure that not only do you have witnesses, but you're creating a paper trail. So that if anything happens, listen, we told you on this day, we told you on this day, we told you on this day. So if he hauled off and smacked the hell out of that little boy, I've been telling you. Mm-hmm. What were you doing as the people in a position of authority to make sure that you can escalate to this? Uh, that's a great point. Now, is there, for those with, I know you have a daughter, for those with daughters in the room, is there a different 
strategy or technique to what you try to teach them versus the boys? Because, you know, we just heard about, you know, how we're going to try to teach our sons certain things. He's how you teach our sons certain things. But then, you know, what about the little girls? Like, is there is there a difference to what you should teach them or is teaching the same, more or less?
can I bring this in the gumbo system? You know what I mean? And it's like, hey, when I see it, you can't really get away with doing that same thing with something that's part of their history or their culture. Like, right. we see how they've been tripping with these, they want these Confederate flags down in the top. You see how they getting about their Confederate flag, which really when you think about it is a symbol of treason, right? Um, but that's a whole other topic. How do y'all feel when y'all see stuff like this going? Because, I mean, the D.C. thing went viral, but we know it ain't just D.C. I'm sure you had some D.C.s in some of your own areas where people were like, nah, we people moving in. It's like, nah, we got to change this. We can't have these black people, black people. Because you know that's what they're saying. I, I think our culture is the only culture that, um, that, can befriend, that, can, that, that happens to. Mm. You're not going to go in the middle of Chinatown and tell them, okay, you can't have the, you know, yeah, you have the food that. up. Yeah. You can't have it that bothers me. Yes, and I do that. Like, so our culture is the only one that always have to, to make the switch for other folk. Like, mm -hmm. you, 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 you gotta respect our culture. If you're gonna go to our neighborhoods, you still have to respect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You gotta say people that's still our culture. Yeah. yeah. It's the Caucasian. Yeah. We, we're the ones that always gotta, you know, we gotta adjust to them. Mm -hmm. But this is what cool is. But we are. You know what I mean? Like, this is great. I think our issue is, is that making it so easy to move wherever we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, our neighborhoods, you know, when I moved to Washington, yeah, I moved into Low Italy, it was 64 at the time, still white. And then, you know, um, I, I moved in 2005 and the demographics started to change. And yet, um, I did not bring the niggas. I was trying to bring people like myself. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were putting up nicer houses and everything. And there were a lot more, you know, mobile black people moving in. But then just in the same bid, the landlords, who were pretty much older white people had these houses, don't care. So they let anyone in. And they're just hoping for a while. And they let them get run down. And the city gets upset. I'm not, I, as a homeowner, I'm calling the cops now. Mm -hmm. So now it's becoming easier for them to come in and then take those houses back. And it's like, it, it, for me, it a lot of it stems from a lack of pride of some people. It's like whether you rent it or own it, mm -hmm. it's us. Protect and love where you are. Right. Like, I'm yelling at them, put like trash in front of them. You know, pick it up. Or if you see me picking up trash, why don't you get out there and pick yours up? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you talk about white people, but it's like your behaviors won't let them come in and take this. Mm -hmm. And now every time you come out and sell my house, everyone's like, nah, just a little longer. Things are changing. You're going to make money. And I'm like, and the reality is, when I do, it's probably not going to look like me. Right. I'm probably not going to be able to sell my house to me. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate. Hey, the you... other part of it, too, is when you move into an area, you look at that area. Yeah. When I looked at my house, I came during the daytime, middle of the day, and at night. Because I wanted to see what the block was like. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see what was going on. If I went to a neighborhood for a house, and I drove up, and they had a big old party speaker in a window blasting music. She was with me. She rolled her seat all the way back. And I'm like, what you doing? And she's like, well, why must I live to tell this story? Like, <laughs> I hit a corner, I reversed out, I left. You go into an area where you see a store, because it's much easier, I think, to move a, get a person out than an established chain store. And you see them doing something, what makes you think you're going to change that? Right. But it's a mindset that it's, yeah, it's a mindset. So it's like if I was a store, I wouldn't care. You move to right. Right. And as long as I'm not breaking the law, because I'm pretty sure there's a noise when it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's usually by ten o'clock or so. Right. Nine ten, shut it down. 
So as long as they make the noise witness, get over it. You move here. Mm-hmm. And they're still gonna come by there because they want it. Right. So why why do we acquiesce? So to your point too, um, about your situation, about they tell you hold on to your house, there's money because I'm hearing this now. Matter of fact, if black people like oh, because you know I, I often talk about how I see Wilmington changing, the face of Wilmington, the faces of Wilmington are changing. We see what's happening, right? And I see what used to be old buildings or dirt now they're new luxury condos, and you know high rise apartments or whatever going up. And people always tell me, yeah, now is the time to buy. You better get in now because it's money to be made because the rents are going up and stuff, right? It's black people, really. And what kind of gets me is, oh, and shout out to Amaze because you know you know about the real estate scene in Delaware. That's your number one DJ and number one realtor. All the same. <laughs> he will sell you a house and DJ the house over, y'all. I'm sure he has a package for that on his website. <laughs> but what kind of I don't want to say bother me. It touched. It touched me. Uh, I guess a different way is when I hear black people say, "Yeah, get in on it now because you can make money." Versus, I'm thinking, "Oh, I thought you meant get in on it now so we could try to maintain our faces in the community." Because you know, was when I first started coming to Delaware, I used to come here in the summer, starting in like '94, I believe. Then I officially moved here in '97, and what I could tell you about what woman to look like. 93 to 97 versus what it's looking like in 2019. It's a big difference, especially if you know that Market Street Mall to the Riverfront area before the BPG and all of them came developing. We know what it looked like. And I'm thinking, damn, so I guess the people, for lack of a better term, let's say a black Wall Street, if you will, even though I know it's kind of reaching in terms of, but that's what I'm saying, to build up to that. I know it shouldn't be sad I ever say that, right? It's really just so you can make a quick bucket, then what? I guess, similar to um, brain situation, it's going to wind up selling it to people that don't look like you, and then that's complete gentrification. Why do y'all think that is? Like, why are we not, if we're in a position where we can access this property, and then let's say rent it to our own or whatever you want to do, however you want to make your money, but still keep it for the culture. Why is that not the mindset of the base? I want to say real quick that uh, I think a lot of people forget about the history of real estate. Uh-huh. After World War II, this is the history of any major city in America. After World War II is when cities were built mm-hmm. in, the, in the mid to late 40s. Okay. What happened was we had troops coming home, predominantly white, mm-hmm. 98% white, <laughs> and they gave these special packages to the, the troops and their families to buy houses. It was really cheap okay. to get a house. Okay. Now these families, they, they grew their families and, and kept these homes, but they had every row home, white folks had every row home. They didn't make those same uh, opportunities afforded to African Americans. Okay. So we never, by culture, never really realized the importance of generational wealth through real estate. Okay. All right. So now we're seeing a systemic uh, outcome of that because now you know our parents. And I, I, I asked my grandma and, and grandfather, why didn't you buy something in forty-five for three thousand dollars? It'd be worth like four hundred thousand dollars now. Right. But we didn't even know it was, it was available. Okay. Is what they said, and it wasn't available. But to to piggyback off of that, if you look through history for those who attempted to try to capitalize on that, entire town were immediately burned down. 
they found any any reason to come in. Downtown, so exactly. Like one of the worst movies I ever watched in my entire life was Hollywood. Really oh. Like I cannot watch that movie again. And all of that information is based on the truth. That's our history. You see what I'm saying? So for those it was offered to, they wouldn't even allow that to take it where it had the potential to go. And there's still even that area of Wilmington. I can't remember, but it's it's like right before you know you get the Arch of Little Italy, but the second street and Bat Lancaster back. Those first houses where you first Union Park Gardens. I think my friend owns a house there, and the neighborhood. She's very fair. She's mixed, and um, they were concerned because they thought she was going into a black field. So, this, like I said, it's it's still there. And people still feel that way. They don't want us there. I didn't buy my house in a quick buck. Right. I bought it lived there. Um, I lived there until I bought it in 2005. I just moved away three years ago. So I was there well over 10 years. Okay. But it made it unbearable. Right. And it's almost like they do it on purpose. If I was the neighbor calling the cops in trolley, I wouldn't have the issues I had calling the cops in Little Italy where I was. Uh-huh. Whereas they show up when they felt like it. You know, oh, yeah, or when I tell them, like, look, these people are suspect. They don't work. I do all the stuff. And I told them, when they moved in, I'm a cop calling kind of neighbor. Uh-huh. Don't make me do it. So I do it. Look, they over here. I know I'm going to work. I don't know why y'all haven't staked this house out yet. Right. And they come over and it's just like, oh, uh, well, or if they even came, most times they'd be like, well, call the city. They gave me a rant run around. Mm-hmm. Call the city. I call the city. She's like, call the cops. I said, cops call, call me. Call you. Now they just don't want to do their job. Call them. And basically, nobody wants to do anything. So then the person, the average person, gets tired. Plus, like I said, I had over an hour commute to my job. So now it's like I'm already stressed from doing that, and I got to come home from a stressful environment. I want out. Right. So, so now, but it's like, do I really want to get rid of my house? Right. No, and I have a property manager. That's a whole other story. We support black business and not handling his business. So, I mean, it's a lot to it. It's not as easy as people think. Like, oh, just run it out. And you know, as a landlord, like the sewer bills in my name, they don't pay me for it. I gotta keep paying it because that's me. Right. You know, so I mean. I get what you're saying, I believe you, but uh, it's often more far more complicated than people think okay. that just slap a poor rent sign, I'm out, and right. let's keep it here. Because people will eat through stuff. I'm paying for my apartment in PA and my house right now. Okay. So people can do that. So so now Lonnie, given that you know, long time Wilmington resident, you know, family has property in Wilmington, you've always been heavily involved in like the political scene or knowing, you know, all your Local politicians, all you know, all elected officials, yada yada yada, have always been heavily involved. Do you now you're a member of the bar as well? Do you see a based on everything that we heard, or maybe even what you've given thought to? Do you see a potential for the start to a potential fix to this situation, if you will? I said, I guess I use fix loosely because I mean, you know, like because then you know you come up with solutions like similar to what uh, TSL said, but. We see what happens when we have those kind of situations, but we're also we're also always in the face, I guess, of that systematic, you know, discrimination, if you will, that amazing initially addressed that started way back when. So, do you see a potential um, start to a fix? Uh, 
So now how can we get the amazes of the world and let's say start spreading this word if you will? When can I expect the amazing real estate agent the seminar on fair housing and how we can start? Well you gotta be careful because now they, they put these these things up like fair housing and then you don't talk about it anymore. You can't talk about you know, black, white, Buddhist, Christian, uh -huh. Jewish. You 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 just have to be a, a, an agent. Okay. So you really you know, they, they put it in, in place, uh, okay. they put markers there, so now it's like out of play. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what you need to do is run a little puppet regime and have somebody else <laughs> spreading the word. <laughs> I might know a guy. <laughs> I'm just saying. So now, Lace, you heard all of this. And, you know, I point to you because I think of, okay, you were raised in the city. And you moved out the city. So, right. So now, what was what was the the motivation for you for that? As a matter of fact, what makes you say I ain't going back? Just, I don't feel like aggravation. Of what exactly? Where I grew up. Mm -hmm. What I witnessed growing up. Uh, what I'm realizing now was trauma. People getting killed. Mm -hmm. I don't want it. Okay. I don't want the real home. I want my single family home. I want my grass. I want mm -hmm. my cul de sac. I like quiet. Okay. That's what I worked hard for, so that's what I have. Now, my mother still lives there. I still love going back. I still love seeing the people, but go visit my mom, that people when I see you, I'm out. Okay. Just because 
never know what's going to happen at any given time. Mm-hmm. That goes for anywhere, but there's a better probability in certain locations. Um, and just, I have more to lose. So, so you're not going to see me, yes, I grow up with you, I love you, mm-hmm. I like what you, you know, see your kids, but if you're hanging out on the block all hours of the day, I can't do that. Right. So somebody said to you, Lace, I was um, thinking about moving into Wilmington, moving mm-hmm. into the city, uh, you know, would you recommend it? Yeah, if that's what you would like to do, mm-hmm. but be careful of the area, I would look at that type of person, who are they, mm-hmm. can they handle Wilmington? Because right. you could be in Wilmington and be up Kirkwood Highway somewhere. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you have to be in the city of Wilmington on right. 6th Street or 4th Street. Well, yeah, I'm talking about the city. city. Sometimes you don't have a choice, so you got to move accordingly. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Just because, like I said, I grew up there most of my life. I don't want that aggravation. I don't feel like dealing with it. Mm-hmm. But if that's your choice, if that's what you choose to do, you can thrive, you can flourish in that atmosphere. You just going to have to deal with more BS than other locations. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, like you got something to say back there, man. Well, I think there's BS everywhere, man. You, you probably deal with HOAs and people are trying funny ways to send you these little letters and fines if they don't want you there. So I, I, I hear you, but I just think wherever you are, there's always going to be something that people oh, yes. want to be selected. But dealing with an HOA is different than somebody sitting on my car. I got to deal with you every day on my car or hanging out all types of night or selling drugs a block away and I'm trying to walk my son to school or something like that. So yes, you will deal with something everywhere, but it's what it will do. I can fight the age away. That's that's the fight I'm on there. You know, I come outside, you're on my car, you're doing different things, whatever was at you. It's only so much I'm going to talk to you. And that's what I'm getting into now. I got a lot of rules. I but she ain't moving into the city, so it ain't an option. Well, I think that that's I think, I think it's different because going back to the original conversation about white people, white people uh-huh. hustling, when you do move out into places, not saying that the white people place is better, but into a place that you know is a little bit more uh, pricey. Okay. That's the type of stuff that you're going to deal with people mm-hmm. that don't want your black ass to be there, and you know they you might not see niggas on your car, but you might. So I'll get a hose in your face, in your son's face, you know what I mean? And get the calling the cops on you and ruining your baby's picture. Like, mm-hmm. I think that anywhere, like you said, anywhere you go, this is going to be a different situation. I don't think it's more likely that you're going to run into trouble in the black neighborhood. It's just a different cycle. So it's trouble. about which trauma you're going to deal with. Right, what are you going to deal with? I mean, I think at the end of the day, it really all, it all kind of comes, it all kind of comes down to how much we value ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't have a very strong value of us. We have bubbles of people who believe very strongly in us. Every single person in this room right now that is participating in this podcast, that is giving you their information, that's giving you their thoughts, giving you their feelings, we have a strong concept of self. Everybody doesn't have that. You have people when you go to certain parts of Washington where you will come outside and they will sit on your car. They'll be leaning up on the side of your car. And all you can kindly say is, I do, can you please? F you, you, you think better than me? Da, 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 da. What, what dialogue can you have with that? You can attempt a dialogue with that. Then it turns into your, your uh, um, what is it that they call 
black people. No. You're you're a bougie bitch. You're an Uncle Tom. You can do better than me. Then the next night you come home, you park your car, you come out from work in the morning, your window's busted out, your tires slashed up. We're doing that to ourselves. We have got to get back into the mindset, even though we don't like dealing with it, we have got to get back into the mindset of empowering us. That is going to take years and time. And before, but, but, but before we can make movements in having our own communities, rebuilding the city of Wilmington, rebuilding us as a culture, we got to retrain the mind. And everybody's not ready to come out of the matrix. So it really does end up turn, turning into this generational cyclical battle where you have people that just, that's what they know, that's what they're comfortable with. Anything outside of that is a complete threat to who they are and they're not willing to touch it. I mean, I see it every day in the work that I do and it's, it's heartbreaking. And that's Lonnie and then Lace. Okay, well, let me just say that this whole issue of people moving into communities and having problems, it really bothers me because like a lot of times they move in, they don't understand like the culture of the neighborhood. They don't. They don't understand the dynamics. Um, and I, I can speak uh, to this firsthand. Like where I'm, where I'm standing at, at my grandma, she's been there since the early seventies. And like it's kind of it's been gentrified. So it's a lot of it's jumping town now. And so what happens is basically you know white couples usually move in, stay for about four years, and have a baby and leave. So it's like a lot of young families, and then we're like the one black family that's still there. And so, like, what, like, an uh, incident that happened recently is these couple of schools across the street, and they wanted to call the cops on these two old men who are like 80 years old in their retirement home because they were sitting on, um, on like a, this uh, corner, and like they were, they had like a, a, a beer in their bags, and they were trying to call the police on them. And like, and I know, know these guys, you know, because these are not just because they're black, but you know, we, I speak to them when they walk by, and they, we know who they are. It's not like they're, you know, gang banging or something or just trying to steal your car, they were probably tired walking back to their retirement home and you know just sat down and, and these people just moved in two months ago like, oh no we need to call the cops on them. And I'm like, like oh no you're gonna be a problem. You're like, no. Now I'm just saying it's not I don't want to classify it as all of Wilmington. Right. Because there are good neighborhoods. The block my mother lives on is a good block. But you know, there are some issues if you go two blocks down the street. Yeah, so, I know. So, yeah, I understand. But I was gonna say that's one you can be on a good street yeah. and you walk a block up yeah. and you hit that corner. But that's what I mean. I don't want to think that all people over there. I don't want to think all people everywhere are this type of thing. The listeners are not gonna understand that last eight seconds. <laughs> but you were saying you just don't you don't, nah, don't want to shine them like everybody that. in the city of Wilmington is not a bad person. Everybody is not acting. What in the manner I'm trying to avoid. Right. Just I just want to put that out there. Okay. I really feel like how you were saying our own black Wall Street is to possibly get together with your friends and bond. Mm-hmm. Get your own block. There's nothing stopping us from doing that. Right. Were, I, when I was looking, I still kept looking even after I moved for the reason of possibly buying more. Mm-hmm. There's some old blocks for sale. Thirty thousand. Mm-hmm. Ain't four houses. It's like that's another reason why it's so easy for them to come in. We're not doing it. And right. yet I know there are people in the room besides myself who could. Mm-hmm. So I mean So now if you let me address that real quick. Uh 
So I'm going to address that real quick. And because you said you know some people who are in positions like yourself where you could, quote unquote, buy off the block. Now, what's stopping y'all? Because you said these are friends. Like, have you ever, like, is this an idea you feel like you could present that they would shoot down, or an idea you have presented that they shot down, or? Not interested. Okay. They're not interested, or they. They, they hear about stuff. What's well, like I said, it's still in your part. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, or you just know, had issues at your house. And I'm like, yeah, but my sister can tell you my parents' neighborhood. Right. And they're a problem. Don't be so quick to shut down the idea of it. Right. It's like it's 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 just a mindset. They just don't want to. And we kind of like I said, being now in PA and further and further out of the city, it's just not conducive. Not until I can get into a a good property management situation right. or someone who I can truly trust mm-hmm. to really run the property for me. Okay. Who's yeah, I think that number one, I think it comes to education, not I think up to educating people about this. I don't think the av- the average person that lives on these blocks they don't know how to they wouldn't know how to go about buying that and it's okay. and it takes work. People are tired, you have to work two jobs. If you're living in a house that you could barely afford, you have a job that, you know, is barely making any money, you come home, you're tired, you don't have time to do anything and, and you know and, that, it's kind of like a soft spot for me, a sore spot for me to talk about this because, like, yeah, people are buying up these neighborhoods and then they're raising the rent, and then the poor people, like, mm. they they're the ones who suffer. Yeah, and then you come in and you complain about the people who have been there, right. you know what I mean? But they're but they don't know. A lot of people don't know the same things that a brand new or a lot now or somebody else mm. would know. You know what I mean? They don't right. think. A lot of people, personally, we. They don't think that it's even possible mm-hmm. that we can do that because we're coming from a step underneath right. everybody else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As far as white um, I think people just need to get educated. But even when you are educated, like you said, you talk to your friends and they shoot it down. Maybe they don't have time. You got kids to raise. They got jobs to do. At the end of the day, people are tired, and you know, or they just don't know that it's. I think what it is is that. A lot of us are first generation everything. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you know, if you're a business owner, you're a first time business owner. Like, you know, my man here, there's no blueprint, no one taught us how to do this. So, you know, we, we gotta teach ourselves and we gotta go through these growing pains, we gotta go through these learning curves, and, and as a people in general, we gotta be more patient and we gotta be we gotta be more understanding because we are navigating this on our own. It's like driving without MapQuest. You know what I'm saying? And that's what it is being black. We definitely our generation because our parents and teachers this. You know, where 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 is the example or the outline? You know what I mean? Like if each one of you guys feel, can you look and say, Hey, my dad, my mom did that? Some can, but the vast majority can't. So we're out here, you know, just on a wing and a prayer. Well, I think we need to be understanding with one another. Right quick before you go to your side, I just want to say you dated yourself with that map question. I was like, damn! Yes, sir. 
So we were trying to like, we were selling dinners, we were doing different things, and just trying to get the kids out and exposure and talk to them. And the parents were already there. As soon as we got some money, they were like, well, we lost some trophies, can you give back? I'm like, no. It's unfortunate, but these kids ain't thinking about these trophies. Tell them, okay, we don't give you these trophies, but we can take you to Florida. Right. And the next thing you know, we weren't invited to meetings anymore. The guy will return my call. Because you didn't really want to hear what I was trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I'm trying to give you sound financial advice. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't want to hear it, it's that the work that needed to happen behind it, they want more. We were the finance people. We were going to do the work. They wanted to spend the money that we were holding on to. And we're telling them, no. It is still work on there. It's still work on there. And really for them, it. it's like, and they did, but they don't see it as that. And, and I'm, I'm saying that from experience with the job that I do. It, it is work on their end because now they have to sit down with you. They have to find time to go over things with you. Everybody try to do that. Wait a minute, I got a meeting over here. I got this award to receive over here. I got to go to this meeting with this school district right here to line my pockets a little bit. But they had the meetings. What happened was they quit telling us about them. Like they cut us out because they didn't want to even hear that they aren't supposed to spend money. They want to continue to do the same things in the same mindset and then get mad because nothing new is happening. Change. It should be still more bottles around too, side note, because y'all not been drinking. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so a question similar to what I raised to Amaze earlier, um, presenting to you now, uh, T.S. I know he says he's kind of bound, for lack of a better term, in what he can disseminate information-wise. Now, how do we get T.S.L. to the world, who has all this access to information, let's say, in the, in the school system? And we know it's a lot of parents that are not educated. What you know probably more than anybody here, how much how uninformed parents are as a, as it is, you know, as it comes to like the rights of them or the kids or what have you in the system. How do we get a TSL to put this information out in some kind of forum or seminar or come here and learn these things so your kids ain't got to go through this bullshit? Well, TSL is lucky to know people who do that stuff already. Okay. Um, and what I do in my job is I link my clients with those individuals. Okay. Um, in Delaware, we have some advocates that we work with regarding education. We have advocates that we work with um, to try to help get kids get into jobs, to get into after-school activities. Um, Devin Hitson is one of them, throwing out names right now. Theo Gregory is one of them. Um, we actually are working with uh, the Twin Poets as well. Okay. And we're very happy with those things, brother. Um, and there is, oh God, what is the basketball producer's name? Because I just finally hit up for Duffy? Uh, Duffy. Duffy, yes. Duffy actually just started a program for the kids in the city of Wilmington outside of his basketball stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's taking referrals from our kids okay. from the state. So that's where I try to use what I know. I filter my families there. Um, and I've had families that are very responsive. I have families that will engage. I have families that will do the work that needs to be done. And then, unfortunately, we also have the other side where it's like, well, what are you giving me? And the minute you start talking about, well, you know, hey, let, let's look at how we parent here. Let's look at why your child is having such behavioral issues in the William Hicks Center and, and some of these other places, then parents get defensive and they don't want anything at all. So that, again, comes down to the changing of the mindset. You can give them 
every and anything. Mm -hmm. um, if they're not willing to change their mindset, it makes it very difficult. And the sad part about that is that their children suffer from that. Um, I have a sibling group right now that, unfortunately, I've, I've had to utilize the court more than I've ever wanted to for a group of children mm -hmm. just to get mom to do what she's supposed to do. And, and it's sad and it's ridiculous, but I won't give up on my children. Right. And trying to explain that to her, you know, now I'm a bitch, I'm a liar, I'm trying to take her kids from her and all this other stuff. I don't even snatch babies no more. But it's just, it, it's it's heartbreaking mm -hmm. at the end of the day because unfortunately, in the 12 years that I've been doing this, the last six years, I've lost more families than I've been able to help. Okay. So. All right. So now switch your gears one more time. Um, this topic here, I know y'all been hearing about this a long time. We're going to talk about Nipsey Hussle for a second. Now, I'm not going to touch on the whole did he die by conspiracy versus did he die by, you know, just random violence, ABC, XYZ. What I want to address it from, and it's so funny that AAA is here because I think you were the last <laughs> post I saw. You were very upset on the post today, but it kind of was along the lines of what I wanted to address. So... As Nipsey passed, you know, a lot of people started learning about Nipsey Hussle, right? Whether it be his music or what he's been doing in his community, the good he's been doing in this community, the jobs he's been raising, you know, the, the money he's been trying to invest in, you know, get things going. And I've seen a couple of things. It's, it's, I'm seeing all this happening from our people, all right? It's kind of like we own the divide. It's always, always a divide, right? So now you got the people, you got these people who are like, oh, um, nah, he, at the end of the day, he was still a gangbanger, yada, 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 yada. He was a crip. He was a crip. That's what you hear. He was a crip. He was like this and that. And then you got other folks like, well, regardless of what you want to say about him, he's been doing this. You know, nobody said he was an angel coming up. He's been doing this, though. He's been doing that since, you know, whenever he had his epiphany and started putting on. Uh, but he triple E put up a post saying after he went back and visited Eritrea, he came back and, you know, boom, boom, bam. Um, and but it became a, I feel like it became a whole bunch of oh now y'all want to believe all this and that now nah, he's just a gangbanger y'all gonna yeah acting like it's this movie y'all in this positive direction now but you get over it you're gonna get over it then it's just gonna be back to business and he's just gonna be another dead loving man right why can't we just have it to where okay regardless of who he was he inspired people to start right, doing something right, right. you know you see Crips and Bloods right moving in the street in unity at least for now right. as you see or. You see people over at his funeral. His mother started talking about, you know, um, uh, the African sense of spirituality and, you know, Ashe and all of that. And then it's like, oh, now y'all want to know about the ancestors. Yeah, whatever. Go back and sit down and do whatever. Why can't it be, okay, welcome to the party? You know, even if you weren't already in the know about whatever Nipsey did, even if you were in the know about African, uh, uh, is everybody from the GN? Uh, Okay. Um, even if you knew about African spirituality or the Orisha, the Yagoon, and all of that, why can't? Why does it have to be a? Well, we was already here, and so no, you stay over there. Like, don't help us with this movement. Why can't? Like, okay, I'm glad. You know, we may y'all may have been quote unquote late to the party, but so glad you're here. Let's come on in and celebrate. Like, what is it about us that this happened? Because it's not Nipsey ain't the first time I've seen this happen. For some reason, we don't give each other a chance to evolve mm -hmm. for whatever reason you know they want to hold you to what you said 10 years ago well mm -hmm. i don't feel like that 10 years ago right i didn't know about the african spirituality and sage and lemongrass right. okay now i'm trying to find out what's mm -hmm. good with it um i don't know why i don't it's like people want to have a stake to claim oh i was on it first mm -hmm. and this boys only or girls only or this boys club right. type, um, 
It's the theory of the crab girl mentality. Like it's, it's, it plays us. It does. And I know people don't like to hear that. I've gotten into a full blown argument with peers about the crab girl mentality. That shit is real. <laughs> we, we exhibit it every single day in our culture. And it sucks. Um, and it, it's not in t- it's not just intangible things either. It's, it's in who we are as people. I literally have had people dislike me because I don't think the same way that they do. And my mindset is whatever it is, and they take that as an offense that I think I'm better than them. No, like I'm just trying to educate you on what I know. We can learn from each other, but it plagues our culture. It plagues us partly, and it's sad, but that's. You gonna go hoops then triple A? I think that um, I'm, I agree. I think education starts somewhere. You have to learn about. We all learned about it from somewhere. So why not use this as an example? So I'm not one of the people that were saying, you know, but something that kind of did bother me a little bit is when I saw people that I know personally are, you know, wilding out, and then they were posting, and they were posting like false information. And they, they just learned about it yesterday. Doctor said you learned about it yesterday, and then you're posting stuff that is not true, or you're, you're hearing this from this person and that person, and you're not doing your research. You're just reposting what you saw, and it's false information. And then your next post is a fight video and stuff like that. And that's where I was kind of like, mm-hmm. like you know, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, triple I wanted to say uh, about the, the when we bring up like the crab barrel mentality. I, I saw somebody say, "Why do we constantly bring that up? Because that's not even the natural environment of a crab to begin with." So for you to constantly, and I understand it's not an like an insult or anything, but this is not our natural environment. This is not naturally how we work. This is not naturally who we are. The reason why we act the way we act is because this is taught. This was constantly enforced on us. And then another thing, the thing that pissed me off about that post, and I'm going to just tell you why, is because the guy was trying to say, <laughs> because the guy was trying to say, you should not talk about Nipsey in the same sentence as you talk about Malcolm X because of criminality. And I'm like, how? A lot of people forget about Malcolm X. So my thing was like, I first of all, I was like, how dare you? And especially it seems to be coming from a black free thinker, because what a lot of them do is that their thoughts and their theories are never based on reality, never based on history or facts or anything. Just I was told this or this was screamed at me on the uh, alt right or serve the media and y'all all being liberal sheep and like I'm thinking different so because my thinking is different it's better than yours and like da 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 I was like no first off I call them type people so yeah and I'm like first off if you actually we all have the same internet we literally have a supercomputer on our phone which is basically basically your phone is a supercomputer that can allow you to talk and Google ain't broke I literally brought up within the first two links Malcolm X. If you actually look at how he was raised, he was not raised in a two-family two home. He was not raised a devout Muslim. This man, um, his father was his father was um, his father was murdered 
by a white supremacy group. His mother was turned crazy, so him and the rest of his family were thrown in a foster care. And we all know how it is with black children were back in the 1930s and the 1940s. Let's not act like it was all utopia. And they were like, you know, like all sitting there being like, oh, you know, this little black kid, he can, he can do whatever, whatever. And he grew up and he was a pimp. He did, he was in jail for petty larceny and other crimes. He was um, a thief, he was a robber, <coughs> he was a numbers man. And then when he got to jail, that's how he was introduced and converted into Islam while he was there. And I'm like, and to me, it's like, it seems like you just sit there and crow about the man now that he's dead. Because I guarantee you, if you were living during the time that he was living, you would call him a thug. The same way you would call Martin Luther King Jr. a thug. And I, I think it's the way that our history is taught, how we were taught in our school system, not just in the school system, how they teach, how they treat your children in the, um, daycare centers, how they treat you in a hospital, it, it's it, like white supremacy is such a insidious uh, backwards type of ideology and I think a lot of people don't see it because they've been used to it for so long we've, like we've been used to this for like 400 years you know what I mean and a lot of people that actually pushed back they were murdered and killed and then you were told that they were murdered and killed because they were a rabble rouser or they were uh, quote unquote communist or I, I think it all like you said earlier it all has to start with the with the with the mind it all has to start with the home and that's very hard for us to do when you're constantly being barraged with all of this different um stress you know what and I mean and that's how you defeat the crab barrel mentality right you know it's not like we weren't necessarily meant to be here we were brought here we were brought to Canada, we were brought to Panama, where my family is from. We were brought to Argentina. We were brought to all of those different places. But enough of us shake the hell out of that barrel, tip that bad boy to the door, they don't know what the hell to do. That's what we try to do. Listen, they can kill some of us, but not all of us. You got, you got to understand. In any movement, you go, there's going to be blood. There's going to be sacrifices. People are going to die. We are going to have martyrs. We're going to have the misses. We're going to have the mockers. We're going to have the martyrs. We're going to lose. That should not discourage us. You lose a battle. You don't lose a war with that. There's casualties of war in everything. And right now, we are fighting a war for our own selves. It's scary. It's hard. And wars take fears. We unfortunately just keep going back to the same battle over and over and over and over again. We gotta do something different at some for the issue means. Like this ain't no yeah. different. I love my people, I'm pro-black. I'll get to a black person struggling before I ever get to a white person struggling. I'm I'm so super pro-black. But I just feel like it's the same conversation. Dipsy Hustle has inspired me like beyond belief or anybody else. But I just feel like it's the same just Conversation. I think it, it should no longer be incumbent on us anymore. I, and I'm tired of it. I literally am. I think it needs to be incumbent on our quote unquote white allies to start stepping up to the plate and putting their feet to the fire. Because even Martin Luther King Jr., something that's, that's not taught in our schools, is he realized once he started putting white people on the front line, because it wasn't the kids. 
they didn't give a damn but they were sitting there putting um, those on, 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 on our kids. When they were sitting there putting the uh, fire hose on our kids, where our kids would get shot down. And it wasn't just here. Y'all were doing that in South Africa. When y'all start putting white people on the line, that's when they're like, oh, black people are human now. They're actually complex individuals. Now we got to start fighting for everybody. I think we need to start putting their feet to the fire. If you sit there, you're coming to us, you're asking us for your, our votes and everything. And right. We need to start asking, what are you going to do for us specifically? And you need, we need to start putting some of them in positions where they can actually bring up. Because even if it's one of us, saw the same thing with Obama. They made sure he never got any of the support that he wanted, especially from his own party. And they try to shut them down. They're doing the exact same thing to this day. Because we're having the exact same conversations, literally the same conversations my mother had. My mother had to do marches around Gracie Nana in New York for some of the stuff that she wanted. Probably the same conversations my grandmother had, same conversations her grand, you know, her, her mother had and stuff like that. We're done. It's time for them to step up to the plate. It's time for them to go home to their their um Thanksgiving and make the rest of that family uncomfortable. It is incumbent on them because I'm tired of fighting this. Because we're going to be fighting this, our children are going to be fighting this, our grandchildren are going to be fighting the exact same thing until we start, they start actually putting their family feet in the fire and forcing them to change. Conversation. Right. I was talking to someone before and I'm like, she was mentioning the eyes and the fries and I'm like, I hate eyes and the fries. Ooh. And she's like, how can you say hate eyes and the fries? I said, let me tell you why. I was showing eyes and the fries in my middle school. I was showing eyes and the fries in the, the fame program. I was showing eyes and the fries and we're basically the same people keep showing the same documentaries, but nevertheless, when you're in a regular school system or or anywhere else, it's not being shown to the vast majority. If you go to the regular level, I'm, but I'm just saying, it's still history. I'm, I'm saying like they're teaching the same students the same things over and over. Meanwhile, the eyes and prize didn't mix to the regular general track kids. Right. They didn't see eyes and prize. They were going like to sit for four days and watch those videos. But yeah, they make me watch it four times. And then we wonder why we can't get a mass movement. It's the same, it's like they're talking to the top of the It's like we have to start sooner and encompass everyone as much as we can. Stop showing the same you know, few black kids the same video. Show all the kids the video. Right. And then maybe we can actually have some movement. Okay. Yeah. Like, that yeah, I got something to go back on him being a crip and a criminal. If I have someone that's performing brain surgery on me, I'm going to be a criminal. Next to me, yeah, if you get a message from, if you got, if he has a past. To me, that's even more of a reason why people should listen because he has lived a life of, of Whatever he lived, and can a lot of folk can relate exactly, and, and can spread the message a little bit better. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, no, no. He's a crip, and he's this, and he's that. Don't listen. I think that's um, we just can't box each other in. It's just one type of person. We're all, all different. We're not monolithic. We're, we're we got vastly different things, and just because he was a crip, I think he's just a product of his environment, and that's a survival mechanism. Like if you lived in a world of sixties. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm not a schoolboy, you're not an athlete, you're not a church kid, what, you, what are you going to do? We're having the same conversations with the same 
people. Like, um, it's important to speak outside to other groups. But how can you speak to somebody from the role of the 60s and tell them not, not to do that? That's all they know. So, like, of course we're going to have the same conversation with the same people because that's the group of people that we're around or that's the only um, opportunity that we're presented with. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could probably have another type of uh, thinking, but because my environment is what's going to produce me, then you having a conversation with me is not going to matter anyway. I went to a seminar at Dell State. It was a conference that um, the Black Student Union there did. Um, and they talked about the very same things we're talking about right now and relating to, like, mental health and, you know, the ideas of, of how we view one another. And one of the speakers was talking about how he grew up in the neighborhood with this old man who everybody knew, like, he sold, you know, bootleg stuff or he was, like, the guy that you wanted to go to when you had to do some, like, crappy, shady shit. That was the man that you went to. But every day when he got out of school, between him and the group of kids that he would walk home to school with, that man would be sitting on his step every single day. And that man would read them a story about some great black individual whether it was Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, whoever it was that he could think of at the time to educate those children. Everybody knew what he did. Everybody knew what his lifestyle was. It didn't change what he gave back to the neighborhood, to the community. He was also that same guy that, you know, for the holidays, he was he was the Nino Brown. You know, he's buying the turkeys and the, you know, and giving that stuff back. And I, I think that some of us can appreciate that and unfortunately, others can't. Like, and when Nipsey died, and I started to see this same thing going on in the internet, it's like, does any of that stuff that he did matter to what he's done before they snatched his life from him? To me, it doesn't matter. If your goods outweigh your bad, listen, look at this shit good. That's all I'm looking at. It's and whoever got, to carry that on. This kind of got nothing to do with nothing, but I never, I never knew HBCUs had black CBUs. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. I, I was about to say. I'm just going to assume you. Well, they have to specify because right. you also have the kids that are not black that are coming in. You don't want to make them feel safe. Send back your card home tomorrow. You want to take HBCU and everything else. I guess for me, I'm all about the process, but also outcome. What's next? for us. Right. We're talking a lot about what should be mm -hmm. happening, what we could do, but here we're sitting with folks that are in all different genre of disciplines and career mm -hmm. where we actually can make a difference. How are we talking to our legislators? What are we doing in terms of creating a platform for some of these issues to now get out in the open? How are we educating ourselves? Because I know that I'm knowledgeable in one area, but not all, right? right? So it's like, for me, it's what next? What is next for us? And what responsibility do we have? Okay. No doubt. Anybody else got anything to say? I'm going to wrap this up. But of course, as my whole hoops know, can't never, I never wrap up a show without leaving a message of positivity for the people out there. Um, so at this point, I'm just going to randomly pick a couple people to just say something positive to the people. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything wrong or what have you, but you know, we end everything on a positive note. With that said, I'm going to just start with hoops since you kind of already know the drill. You should always be ready for the city. Um, educate yourself. And mind the business. I would say every week. Mind the business. And yeah, educate yourself. And, and yeah. Amazing. Carter G. Woodson said it best. Whoever controls the diameter of your thinking 
whoever controls the diameter of your learning controls the circumference of your activity. Boy, you was ready for this. He <laughs> <laughs> keep one in the chamber. <laughs> he got real stern Carter G. Well, like, he, he might like that turn. Like, wait, okay. <laughs> No wonder you want to see these dollar clubs. <laughs> now, yes. Um, access to information. If you have it, it's your responsibility. Um, always make sure that you're teaching someone um, underneath you, and um, just just whatever information you have, you know that it can help someone else give it. My team, Nitty Radio co-host AC. Never be a prisoner of your past. It's just a life lesson. Yeah, you go bring it home to yourself. Earth. You only get one life. Do everything within your power that you know you can with it. There you go. You know, we're going to close this out. I got to let y'all know, as usual, yesterday's gone, so don't even worry about that anymore. Tomorrow's not here yet. What you have is today, so focus on that. Remember, today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. With that said, this is Nitty the City. I want to thank everybody for coming out to the uh, first uh, Bobbleist Brunch broadcast. Let's give it up for yourselves. Until the next time, y'all, we out.